a day, Lord, we pray for our children as they leave summer behind and begin another school year. We pray the word of God over each one of them. Over all their steps, may you be a lamp for their feet and a light for their path. Over all their friendships, may they choose their friends wisely and may their friends refresh their souls. Over all their challenges, may they remember you are in their midst, the mighty one who saves, who rejoices over them and who quiets them by your love. Over all their decisions, may they trust in and acknowledge you, Lord, and not lean on their own understanding. Over all their influence, may they do everything in love, Lord, as you have loved them. Over all their trials, may they be strong and courageous, remembering that you go with them and will not leave or forsake them. You are their refuge and fortress. Over all their triumphs, may they always give thanks to you, Lord, who gives victory through Christ Jesus. Through every day, Lord, may they remember the privilege of an education as they dwell in your shelter and rest in your shadow. For you are the Almighty God, and your word stands forever. Amen. It's easy to feel like our life is a mess. We've been looking at uh, the heroes of our faith, and if there's a common theme in all of that, is that their lives were a mess, or they've had messes in their lives. For example, Joseph was sold as a slave. He was falsely accused. Abraham lied and threw his wife under the bus. Moses had a speech defect. David was a murderer and adulterer. The prophet Elijah suffered from depression. And the apostle Paul killed Christians. Today, I want to talk about a woman whose lifestyle is a mess. And her name is Rahab. I hope you're beginning to see a pattern here. That God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and that God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chooses the lowly and despised things of the world and and things that are not to nullify the things that are. And so we find her story in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, uh, starting in chapter 2. Who is Rahab? Uh, Well, she's described by her sin that she was a prostitute. She was a Canaanite, which was a deplored group of people ethnically. Their religion was seen as vile and foul because of idols and false gods that they worshipped. And oh, by the way, she was a woman, and in her culture, women had lower status than men. Women at the time was often treated as second-class people. They had few rights, much like in many Islamic countries today. In other words, her status was the lowest of the low because she was a Gentile woman prostitute. Her name Rahab means proud, and as we may know, Scripture says that God opposes the proud. So with a name like that, God is supposed to be opposed to her already. 
She doesn't even have a chance, according to the world standards, to be accepted and loved. She's a proud Gentile woman prostitute. And scholars tell us that she has a brothel inside the outer wall of Jericho, the outer wall that surrounded the city for protection. And this would become the red light district of Jericho or the skid row of Jericho. And from her window overlooking the wall, she would be able to see the travelers who would come to her city before they even entered the gates. And so if she eyed a handsome young man about to enter the city, she could capture his attention by just simply leaning out her window and calling down to him if she wanted. It was a great location for her profession. And the fact that she lives in the walls actually says something. Because in ancient times, only the ostracized and the vulnerable would live in the wall because when an enemy comes to attack, what's the first thing that they try to destroy? It's the walls. So the worst place you could live is in the walls. The home values there are extremely low. You know what I'm saying? So, But it's understandable that this woman would be living in the walls as a constant reminder of how the world sees her. She doesn't live inside the city. She lives on the outskirts of the city. And forever she will be an outsider. But the beauty of this story is that this is a story of how an outsider becomes an insider in the family of God. And so Joshua sent two spies into Jericho. And if you remember, Moses sent 12 spies to scope the land of Canaan. Ten came back afraid and two came back with confidence that with God, Israel could take down the enemy and occupy the promised land. So I I don't know, maybe this time around Joshua thought that two was the magic number this time. And so why waste 10 other bodies? I just find that it's interesting that two came back with confidence, and so Joshua sends two. But unfortunately, the king of Jericho was told uh, that there were enemy spies that had entered the land, and his intel had found that they were hiding out at Rahab's house. So they visited Rahab's brothel to look for them and started to interrogate her. And as we look in verse 4, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Basically, she lied. It's like a a scene in a James Bond movie, or maybe it's even a daily episode with your kid. Like, hey, where's your toothbrush? I don't know. Where's your pajamas? I don't know. Hey, Rahab, where are those two spies? I don't know. Verse 6, But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. Just a side note, I feel like this may not be the first time that she's hid men up on the roof. But, you know, that's beside the point. I'm just saying. But here's where you see the transformation in Rahab. She didn't have to hide God's men. In fact, she was risking her life. She, she could have been seen as an accomplice to, to the enemy. Um, she could have been caught in, in, in the line of violence, but there was something that caused her to act in faith. Hebrews 11 says that it was by faith that Rahab acted and hid those spies. She acted upon her faith. James tells us that faith without works is dead. And here she is. Not only does she have faith, 
but she acted on her faith. Remember, we said faith is trust. And so Abraham, he acted on his faith with Isaac at Mount Moriah because he trusted God would resurrect Isaac if that had to be the case. And so basically, Rahab put her money where her mouth was. That's what faith with works is. It's it's betting on God. It's it's betting that he will be with you. It's betting that God shall supply all your needs. It's betting that God is stronger than, than Samson on a lonely pillar. Come on, somebody. That God is bigger than the biggest mountain. It's, it's betting that God will be faithful in his promises. And this is how Rahab was able to act in faith. Verse 9 says, she says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. She knew, she believed, she was sure that the Lord gave the Israelites this land because everyone is afraid of them. Now watch this. When Rahab referred to God, she did not use the generic name for God or a Canaanite name for God. Instead, Rahab referred to God using the formal and highest name for God. She called him Yahweh, which is Lord capitalized in your Bible. Yahweh, this is the covenant name that the Hebrew people used for their personal God. So she's saying, your covenantal, promise-making, promise-keeping God has given you this land. Verse 10. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, who, whom you completely destroyed. So she had heard the powerful stories of salvation through the Exodus. Someone had to have told her. Someone evangelized the testimony of God. When she heard the story of God, their hearts melted for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Who preach a girl? Through someone sharing the gospel with her, she received faith. All of us came to know Jesus because someone shared the gospel with you. We can be used by God to have Rahab's as a part of our testimony if, if we share the gospel with others. That's what God can do through you. In verse 12, Rahab continues. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. The word kindness is a deep, powerful word. It's the word hesed. It's, it means faithful, unfailing, covenant love. It's a loyal love. It's an unconditional love. And so what she's asking is that, in return for her faith, that she would experience Hesed. Through her faith, she did receive Hesed. She was an outsider for most of her life, but we see that she ended up as an insider. Because if you look at Matthew chapter 1, there is a genealogy. And in that genealogy, it reads that Rahab was the mother of Boaz. And if you remember who Boaz was, he eventually married Ruth. And Ruth was the mother of Obed, and Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David, who would eventually be the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. 
And so if God can take an outsider like Rahab with her background and her history and her sin and make her an insider of the family of God, she can surely do it with your life. Come on, somebody. Rahab was a woman who made some bad choices in her life, and all of us have. But God looks at us differently than than we do, that the past is not nearly as important as the choices that you make today. And so what this story shows us is that the promised land is for everyone, regardless of your past sin. The promised land is for everyone, regardless of your past. And the reason is God uses real people. Paul has said, for all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. He says, there's no one righteous, not even one. And we have to recognize that I'm in that group. You're in that group. The first qualification to be used by God is that we recognize that we are in that group, that we are not perfect. We have not arrived, but we are moving forward. John Newton wrote, uh, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I mean, how many of us actually identify with those lyrics? If we were to be honest, I, I think the most common attitude is, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, That Saved a Wretch like him, like her. John Newton was a slave trader and a human trafficker. And God transformed him from a slave trader to be a songwriter. Because he recognized his sinfulness and his wretchedness. And the only way he could express it or describe, describe it was that God saved him with a grace that was so amazing. And so in God, Rahab's past no longer defines her. Her sin no longer defines her. She is now defined by Hased, a covenantal promised love that will never leave you nor forsake you, that can never separate you from the love of God. And Rahab proved that her faith in this powerful God was real by hiding the spies. And Rahab would experience that presence and that power. For in chapter 6, as Joshua and the army marched, around this huge, impenetrable wall of Jericho for seven days. And on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. And on the seventh time, the priests blew their trumpets, and the people gave a loud shout, and the walls fell down. And all of Jericho was destroyed, except Rahab and her family, for they were led out to safety. So Rahab was able to see with her own eyes and hear with her own ears the power of God in whom she had placed her faith and trust. Rahab was transformed from the house of shame to the hall of fame. And he can do the same with you if you would put your trust in Jesus today. We have to put our trust in him each and every day. And so you can be placed from the hall of shame to the hall of fame. If you were to put your trust in Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, there are so many things that we regret. There's so many actions that we would love to take back. There's things that we can't even forgive ourselves for. But Lord, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you that you take uh, someone who is just like Rahab um, and able to Bring her from the outside into the inside. 
And Lord, we pray that, that you would bring us into the inside of the family of God, that we would know that, that we have a, a hesed, a, a covenantal love for us, waiting for us. Lord, may we experience that today. God, help us to put our trust in you, to put action to our faith. And Lord, we say and declare that we trust you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, but let me bless you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace, shalom, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday. Have a great week. Be safe and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.